Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Richard Porter. I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars, and this week, the time Johnny almost died. I've got to say, uh, Rich, that two things that I forgot to mention last week. Mm-hmm. One, when I um, was clearing up the, the the live show that we chatted about, and I won't yep. go on about it because it sounds too self-congratulatory, <laughs> which it's not supposed to be. It's just a case of surviving it. We were. I was clearing up by torchlight, just making sure we hadn't left really obvious, expensive things lying around. And I realised, I looked at my watch, and I realised that the hotel would probably stop serving food. I had a mild panic and uh, decided there and then that by the time I get back to the hotel, all I'm going to get is, you, you know, oh, sorry, sir, all you can have is a pint and a bar snack, which is yeah. okay, I'll take it over nothing. Yeah. But I was ravenous because we'd skip lunch, basically, haven't we? Yeah, and to that end, I realised someone had bought me lunch and I'd never finished it, and I'd, I'd, I'd held on to it for hours. So what I did was, and I'm, I'm going to put my hand in the air and say I'm not entirely sure this is right, <laughs> but I, I found the bin liner I'd put it in. Oh, at, at the showground, and I opened it back up, and it was still, still in there. And I, I, I carried on eating my dinner by torchlight on my own, and it was stone cold, like the chips were turgid, like a body that had been found three Wait, days later but this was st- it was sealed in a polystyrene it had been container. shut up in the thing and 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 it had only been put in there maybe an hour and a half before by me and i knew i knew which bin liner it was because i'd arranged the bin liners but it um, was so is that is that a bit weird is that right was- i ate out of a bin at my own event <laughs> bin food you I ate, ate bin food I, I ate bin food so you yeah. staged an inaugural live event with your name on it. Yeah. <laughs> it went very well. You were the star of the show. You got to stand on stage and say, thank you, Kent. Good night. And, well, you didn't, but you could have done. I could have dropped a mic and everything. So it, you, you really were on on a glorious high from a successful live event and adulation and all the rest of it. But once all the people had left, you were eating bin food in the dark yes but with a, with, a, with a head torch yes it's, exactly I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a star, stark illustration of something or other i'm not sure what but um but you know at least you, you kept worry. grounded and then and then because I, I, i'd already gone at this point yeah so i didn't get to see you, you were racking up the beer well because your wife told me to go yeah she did yeah and she just went right go get get back to the hotel and get the beers in and yeah um and you did. So I did. And then, and then, she, but then actually, because I got lost on the site, I didn't get back till after she was there and she'd already started um, securing the area in the bar and um, <laughs> for, to make sure everyone could sit down. And, and then we had some, 
Putin, they were still serving by the time you got back. Well, they were, which is really, I got angry about that because I was convinced there's no way they're going to serve food after that hour. And so I ate the bin and then consequently had to go back and eat some more food. So it's okay. I had a double portion. I um, think I've eaten from the bin, though. Like, um, tactically, not like tactless bin eating. I mean, that's just. Desperate. Where it's sort of something in a packet where you sort of you take a call on how well sealed it is. You know, maybe my wife's thrown something away that she thinks we're not going to eat, and I'll go, mm. "Oh, well, that's that's a waste." And I'll just I have done it. I know I've done it. So yeah, I do that. I'm it's not going to take a moral high ground on bin food. It's a dad thing, I think. I feel like it's a dad thing of like, come is on, it? guys, we've yeah, we've I feel thrown like away it's more a of a sort of dog thing. <laughs> food, don't care where it's been, bin food. Mm. I know, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. So I, I did, I, I did do it. I'm not, not hugely proud. So that that was one thing that I did. And the other thing I forgot to mention was I went for a sort of sanity walk, <laughs> uh, just for about an hour around the back of the fields where I live, just on my own. Turn well, my when was this? Off. This was a few days back. Okay. And um, and 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 I have to walk underneath a line of pylons. Oh. And every time I do it, every time I do the walk goes from sort of um, serenity, tranquility to there's just a there's an air of si- si- sinister about it. Yes, yes. And the reason it always makes me remember those old seventies slash maybe early eighties government warnings that you had on TV, <laughs> yeah. where it was. Do you remember? It was. A kid, yeah. I think it was a kid called Jimmy playing with a frisbee near a, it was a pylon. Frisbee, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then the, his that. sister or the, or a girl he was playing with, him, he said he, he went, "Oh, it's caught up there. I'll go and get it." And she went, "Jimmy, don't do that. Jimmy, yeah. no, don't be suddenly, a dickweed, Jimmy." I might have yeah. said that, but yeah. well, kids now would just go, "Do you know what? I can't be asked. I'll just order another one on Amazon." But anyway, yeah. Jimmy, <laughs> well, well, they wouldn't be out there playing with a frisbee anyway because they'd all be on Minecraft. Well, they would, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they, the strokers? But anyway, the, um, the <laughs> <laughs> I called our kids shit bags this morning, not to their faces. Oh, but I, I, we had I to did. get them out of the house, and, uh, and while they were in the other room, I said to I said to my wife, I just need to get the shit bags out of the house. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not often surprised. when I do things like that, she goes, "Don't call them that," but she didn't. She just agreed with me. Oh, I've called them way worse. It's like we've reached we've reached that summer holiday point where it's like they're just shit bags. Lovely, yeah, lovely that, shit bags. Fruit of our own loins, shit bags. Shit bag. Well, that's that's the problem with summer holidays. It's they're they're, they're actually quite annoying. But anyway, we'll we'll gloss over that. Um, the um, so yeah, I I kept thinking. I remember those adverts being very very scary. Very scary. And, and and there was a series of them, wasn't there? And I haven't seen them for many years. But I remember Jimmy getting electrocuted yeah. and it's sort of and like a synth a really kind of doctor who-y kind of dark synthesizer and then all you saw was like a steaming trouser leg on the the feet on the floor in Did a you, field or it's smoking if you'd have pressed me i'd have said a sort of smoking shoe but that might be too comedic i don't know you're probably mm. right it was a smoking trousers it was i don't know floor. if anyone listening to this podcast knows, knows what the hell we're talking about but it's those well, old government telly yeah adverts. It, it, there were the government safety films in the must have been the 80s but i think it was probably from the 70s yeah they it, just they just kept reviving I don't know. them i feel like he was wearing flared trousers i don't know your mind plays he was tricks, wearing flares but um, it, because it was that era when we used to watch stuff at primary school, like Look and Read, and um, yeah. 
those sorts of educational telly shows. But and there were always there was always cheesecloth and flares in there, despite the fact that I was sitting there in 1985 going, "What's all that? Like, why, why is this? I've got a digital watch on. What the fuck's this all about?" Well, yeah, but of course you look, look at top of the and pops, read. and everyone's wearing tapered this and you know uh, neuromantic that and. Yeah, it gone it's quite like, thin, I George, suppose, hadn't it? George Michael does. Yeah, George Michael isn't wearing flares in Wham. So what's going on here? But anyway, mm. so yeah, those government adverts terrify me. And to this day, obviously, I've never climbed a pylon to get a frisbee down. I have climbed a pylon for a documentary for Discovery Channel many years ago. Really? Uh, they, they turned it off before I climbed it. Oh right, okay. Yes. Wow. Uh, and well, it was terrifying. You got to climb a pylon. I climbed a massive pylon. I had to stand at the top, lift, take my hands lift my hands in the air and then do a piece to camera where Holy the cameraman was down below. I was quivering like... I mean, I had a I had two um, safety straps with, um, you know, the carabiners, so you sort of... You walk up I two know, steps, but you never trust those things, do you? You kind of go, no. what if it's not been done properly? And also, if, if I said I, was, I went up there with the carabiners, it makes me sound like I fought with the Gurkhas or something, doesn't it? I, see, I went down there with the carabiners. And uh, we, were, we were fighting our way. I think the carabiners sounds like a sort of early 2000s indie band. <laughs> They're a bit jaunty. They're a bit like the Wombats or something. They're a oh, bit yes. jolly, so people are a bit sneering about them because they're too chirpy. Bloody love they've, the they've done some decent tunes. Yeah, I like the Wombats. Wombats are very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, the Carabiners. Yeah, the Carabiners. Yeah. yeah, I've seen them at Nottingham Rock City. Yeah, they're excellent. <laughs> yeah, they're they're no. not even. They're too. And the whole event was so safe. Session. The whole event was incredibly safe. People <laughs> yeah, were doing ten foot base jumps. <laughs> no one yeah. can do much in the mosh pit because everybody's tethered to the floor. It's um, <laughs> it sort of changes the dynamic a little bit. And the st- when the lead singer tries to stage dive, he just goes, "Okay," Rah! and then gets yanked backwards towards the drum riser. Because, oh, because um, he's on a tight lead. Because he's yeah, he's lashed down. Um, Those dog leads so, that retract really quickly. <laughs> I can't believe you climbed a pylon though. I'm, I'm sort of weirdly jealous of that. That seems like a very cool thing to do. It was it was really cool, um, and I and it is on it's on the internet somewhere now. But it was mm. a very old discovery. But yeah, I did. I got to. Um, I got to. I got taught how to climb a telegraph pole with sort of spike shoes on before that. Oh, and then I'm. Well, they, and have then those, I'm like, they have those foothold things, though, don't they? Or do they, not? they do, but some some of them don't. Some of them are just oh. a telegraph pole, and you have to wear shoes with special spikes, like yeah. spurs almost. Wow! And you dig them in in a certain angle to climb to the top, and then yeah. So I kind of went to a telegraph pole climbing school. Um, and then went and, and did this full on, yeah. This 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 pylon was huge. I think it's like a three tier. You can get like two tier pylons and no one tier, two tier, and three tier. And I did a three tier. Yeah. Oh, and, and then took my hands off um, in the air at the, the end. Do you know what pylons remind me of up close? Because I find that there's you're space right, there's something intimidating about them. No, not space invaders. Do you remember the uh, '80s TV series, The Tripods? Yes, I do. Pylons yes. remind me of Sinister. huge, huge robots come to oppress humanity um, because there's something big and imposing about them, and yet there's a sort of elegance to them. They're fascinating close up; like they look quite cool they from are. a distance. And then when you get up close, it's like getting. Do you ever when you're a kid? And I'll be honest, even now, and I'm 46, I get quite <laughs> a thrill from seeing the bottom of a cooling tower. Oh, completely. Because they're almost like Muppets. Cooling towers are like Muppets. You don't often get to see the bottom bit. You see them from a distance, the top bit. 
That's all you're meant to see. And then every so often, you get to see the bottom bit, and it's quite there. thrilling. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, th- that, that's I, I, I can good. still remember the first time I saw the bottom of a cooling tower. You go, oh, my God, they're sort of like, and they're on sort of legs almost. And there's That's they're, right, they're, like they're stood off the ground. Yeah. yeah. I never yeah, understood, but, and maybe someone listening who's a, you know some kind of thermodynamics expert can explain this, but I never understood why they didn't put sort of huge fans in the top of um, cooling towers that would be turned by the rising steam and had a dynamo in them to create a little bit of electric extra electricity. Well, or you use the steam to, like, warm the surrounding houses and towns. Yeah. Which is basically what they do in Scandinavia. Is it? I, I suspect it's because people in Scandinavia are just fundamentally more clever than we are. Uh, well, and in, and in the seventies, we genuinely didn't give a shit. No, we <laughs> didn't think... give a shit. But but it's, it's the thing it's always struck me as quite wasteful. All that steam that, that pisses off into the atmosphere. But, it has to um, be. But but yeah, well, I think the thing about Scandinavia is it's like again, maybe a listener can confirm. I know we've got some listeners in Scandinavia that, that there's a sort of fundamental sort of different mindset that might be related to living in an environment that can kill you. I don't know. Yes, what well, it's the the the, the, the survivalist. Instinct. Yeah, well, it's that where thing. I was I went to Aljeplog where they do a lot of car testing in um, northern Sweden. Yeah, and someone pointed out to me that all the houses, because there's a lot of lakes around there. That's why the car industry goes there because there's loads, loads of lakes. They freeze in the winter. They can create, um, you know, um, ABS and traction control calibration test facility. I've driven a Scania. Lakes. I've driven a Scania truck on on ice. Have you with, with a full trailer? Yeah, and I don't even have a truck license. Did you yeah, it was awesome. It? Yeah, they wanted me to. They wanted me to get it into a full whip. <laughs> yeah, hell. I know. It was I was brilliant. once in a tractor unit, no trailer, just a just a you know sort of four wheel tractor unit, uh, not driving, uh, yeah. and did a you know barreling onto a split friction surface, and then the driver hammered the brakes, and we did a three sixty, almost three sixty. He went. Ooh. He went. My, if I've done a good one, we'll get three sixty out of this. But it's you know it's not always a given. So he really went for it, and we did it twice, I think, because first time we didn't get, we did about a sort of two seventy, and he went, "No, I could do better than that." And um, you get was, a big lateral was, whip in the cab because you're ten holy feet in the mother air. of well, it feels like you're going over, but it's yeah. weird. It feels like you're going over sideways. I thought it might be, you know, we're going to just go onto our nose, but no, because it starts to spin, and then it just feels like you're going to topple sideways. Because the, yeah, you, the cab's suspended, isn't it? So the cab suspended, it you do get a very strong whip on. Yeah, God. It was exciting. And the second time I was a bit less frightened than the first because I was sort of felt like probably we're going to be all right. This guy's it's, it's an old a guy I used to know called Nick who used to test these things for a living. Um, and we did it uh, We did it at Myra. Um, irrelevant details. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, no. So in, um, Where were we going? in northern Sweden, no, they leave. Someone pointed out that all the houses, particularly if they're near the edge of the lakes, they leave... Uh, a light on all the time there's always a light on in those houses and it's because if anyone got lost out on the lake when it's frozen or in the woods or anything like that you just do your bit to help the possibility that a stranger might be lost out there to find their way to civilization they do like they do have um real candles or electronic candles um, in the windows yeah so the curtains are slightly open and you yeah. know what at night when you're driving past i just think it's so beautifully warming and i know it's to mm. do it's all it's to do with that whole homely thing and um 
and as you say, if, if there's if there's someone out and they're in danger or they're they're lost, they can just follow follow the light, Jimmy. Follow the light. Yeah. And I always think, right. by extension, a lot of Swedish um, music and art or whatever has a sort of slightly wistful quality perhaps that might be inspired by the fact that a lot of the time in Sweden you're either nice and warm looking out at the bitter cold or out in the bitter cold looking at the nice and warm and either way that's that brings a certain vibe to it completely completely I bloody you're making just as conversations making me miss Sweden and Norway oh, we'll always... I, miss them, I miss them a lot I miss them a lot oh so good yeah. Well, like I said, I've got, I've got, I've got an affinity towards them, especially towards Norway, when where I because ne- I'm nearly dying there. I suppose I feel quite aff- affectionate towards it. What is that where you yeah. nearly died on the oil rig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm, I ended up getting airlifted back to hospital in um, Christiansund. Yeah, um, and that's where I, yeah, it's where I lived in hospital for a while. And my friend, uh, sorry, the researcher I was working with on the TV show, kindly put. A huge pile of printed pornography on the, the bedside table. And I was oblivious to it because I was out of my mind. Or uh, for, for, for like for three days, I had nurses coming to my bed and tending to me, and I didn't realise I had Euro porn stacked on the side of the bed. <laughs> I was so embarrassed because I was, I was, I was, um, I was nil by mouth for whatever it was. It was two days, I think. It felt like twenty days. But for people who haven't heard this story, what was it? You your appendix <clears throat> had gone. My appendix ruptured out. while I was on an oil rig in the middle of the um, was it the North Sea, Atlantic, yeah. the Atlantic, and um, on an oil rig. And of course, to get permission to film on the oil rig, this was a Shell oil rig. To get permission to film on it took months, and this was for Discovery Channel. We were going into the inner workings of it. It's a single-legged um, oh. one called. Look, look it up. It's called the Draugen platform. It looks like a silly bird table, but it's absolutely massive. Yeah, and, I always um, wonder how those stay up. They do look a bit like they might just topple over. Oh, it's ridiculous, and it sways. It's built to oh, does flex. It? Yeah, because the Shit, it has to it has, it to, has yeah. to sway with the, the the current of the ocean, otherwise it would snap. But, Sway um, with the currents of the oceans. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I know. I've, I've probably and I apologise if people have heard this story before, but uh, and I'll gloss over it quickly. But yeah, I basically thought I had major indigestion. We got there. We landed on the air, um, on the. We landed on the helipad. You, you had all your survival suit on for the full journey in case the the the, the copter goes down. And then it's forty five minutes off offshore, and. We were ravenous. We got there, and the kitchens in this on this rig were just unbelievable. You know, like crab, beauty, the best fish I've ever eaten. Beautiful food. Everyone's really welcoming. Um, it's just wonderful. And we set up camp, and I I basically thought I'd just eaten too much. And anyway, during I think day number three, my the pain in my sort of stomach got to the point. Like, oh my gosh, I'm really not in a good way. I don't know what to do. And the the medic on board was like, "Look, I can't, I can't help you if you have if you need surgery. I can. <laughs> I've got a defibrillator and I've got some basic painkillers and stuff, but I can't do a great deal." And so uh, anyway, I just kept taking painkillers, Rich, and filming. And then it got to the point where the director said, you do realise, Johnny, every time you're walking up and down steps, you're clutching your side like an old wounded soldier. And I went, am I? <laughs> and they went, yeah, um, you are. Anyway, I went to bed, took some more painkillers, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was just in excruciating pain. 
and called the medic and the medic went we've got to scramble the chopper because I think <gasps> you've got a stomach ulcer or something like that and they knew that I didn't have any history of it and the storm was coming in and there was a 50-50 oh. chance whether the helicopter could land anyway it, it managed to land and I got even worse because the vibration of the helicopter taking me back to land it was all a bit of a blur but yeah basically I landed was met by I do remember it was a Mercedes ambulance and then um, it took me to this little hospital doctor came and got out of bed and did perform the surgery on me they reckon I had three hours to live so bloody hell quite bad peritonitis I was I was gradually being poisoned which is why I was starting to act very strangely and it did feel like I was being stabbed but um yeah, and I do remember, I, and I, again, I, I, I have said this before, but I had to phone home at about one in the morning or two in the morning. They wouldn't operate on me without me talking to a next of kin. Oh. So I phoned my wife, and of course she was in bed and she didn't answer her phone. Then I phoned my mum and dad, landline, old school. <laughs> bless. My my mum picked up the phone, bless her, and I just I was in oh. such pain. I just screamed down the phone. In hindsight, it was not a great idea. I just went... I'm in hospital. I'm having. I've got to have serious surgery. I'm. Get, I think I'm going to be okay, Mum. I've got to go by, and it was like that. That was it. Oh shit! Yeah, and ju- by the way, I just. I'd say twenty seconds before that, I'd been fingered by a nurse. What? Yeah, they had to check my uh, prostate. Um, so they, I had a, I had a nurse putting her fingers in my jacksy whilst telling me I needed to phone my mum. It was all very. It was all. I mean, the whole, the whole thing was very confusing. Anyway. So, yeah, uh, interesting times. Very, if you've just very... joined us, you're listening to Britain's number one car podcast. <laughs> um, where Johnny's explaining how he had his, his <laughs> ring fingered by a Norwegian nurse shortly before phoning his mum on the landline. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely true. Anyway, back to electricity pylons. Cause they, yeah, that's we, what well, we started with. Yeah, and I was going to say, do you, you see that I remember the last time I went under a, uh, the cables between two pylons was um, a while back last year. We were on holiday in Norfolk and I went for a run and I ran under some cables and I ran like bilio when I got under the cables because it freaked me out and I thought oh, I was going to get electrocuted. Were they crackling? It was drizzly and they were crackling like fun. Fuck. Yeah, I know it's there. The, 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 you can really feel the power. You can sense the power. And yeah. my son always says, "What if the cable broke?" Because 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 we the fields at the back of ours, the the pylons go diagonally across. We do periodically get the um the helicopter coming round the national grid helicopter, and it does that tight circle round each one, and it and it oh. and it, lo- it looks at it with ultra. Um, what, what is it? Is it infrared? It, it, it scans it with infrared. Oh, does it? Because it can tell if there's any high resistance areas. Oh, because it get and hot. It, maybe? Yeah, and it should that be. Yeah, or it's or it's if there's a rupture of one of the insulators or the isolator. And 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 I believe, and I might be wrong. If there's a listener who knows way more than I do, which wouldn't be difficult, mm. they can correct me. But well, yeah, I think what they do is it's always post storm. They just check the the tension of the wires and they check if there's any any areas of areas of high resistance. But it's always freaky watching a helicopter going very close to cables. Yeah, you just think, what could possibly go wrong? Um, well, yeah, my, I, I, uh, my godfather, my uncle Alwyn, he's he, he's a, a top man in a number of ways. But he he's retired now. But he was an engineer for Manweb when that was a one of the electricity companies in Britain. I remember and Manweb. I he used to go out and have to check cables sometimes, and he was quite afraid of heights. And sometimes oh. they used to. There was a thing I think he said once he got sent up and he was like on a little basket actually going along the cable. 
You're joking. Which he didn't enjoy at all. <laughs> no. So tried to make sure he never had to do it again. But the exciting thing I remember him telling me when I was a kid is that they used to have some Ford Transit 4x4s. Oh. Do you remember those? I think it was an aftermarket jobby, but sort of endorsed by Ford. I remember they the, used to the have I remember the Dodge Renault, the Dodge Renault. Yes, ones, which they were very high. popular with electricity companies, weren't they? Yeah, they looked really good. In fact, yeah. I, 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 you've just given me a strange um, flashback. I got, I've got, I had a poster of one of those in my room because my dad. What? My dad worked with a company, I think, who had a fleet of them. And one of those, one of those things. It must have been in the summer holidays, which is which is relevant to now, where you, you know some kids end up having to go to work with their parents for a day or so when you yes. just can't get. And and I think I went to work with Dad, and we did a site visit, and they had a fleet. I remember they had a fleet of various things like cherry pickers and all that stuff. And when we went into the office, which was basically a porter cabin full of blokes smoking, yeah. um, um, I remember that they, they they saw they knew I was into cars, and me, my brother was into trucks and stuff. And they gave they gave me a poster of one of those Dodge Renault four by fours. You know it's where, and I and I, it must have been a promotional thing by Renault Dodge because. It was all there was. A, there was a guy hanging off it. I don't know with like a ladder, and there was another guy with a cherry picker, and it was all staged. Yeah, and and actually another another day on that summer holidays, Dad took us to, and it makes it sound so glamorous. He took us to a landfill site, and um, <laughs> we got to yeah, we got to ride on one of those big um, bulldozers which have metal wheels. I don't know if you've seen them. Bulldozers um, with metal were well, not not tracked. No, it's not track. They've got four individual wheels, but they're metal, and then they've got metal kind of spikes or webs, um, paddles, metal paddles, and they drive oh, yes. over and over yeah, yeah. and over landfill. And then they ha- they do have a scraper on the front where they can level stuff off or push stuff in. And we were we spent the day on this landfill site, and I got a go in one. And I got a poster of one of those. And I, for, I mean, for I mean, what sort of a kid was I? I had a poster of a. I mean, work van and a landfill bulldozer on my wall. But I think it was just because I got given a poster and I just put it up. I don't think I, I didn't have a Lamborghini Countach with dry ice. I had a landfill bulldozer, which was a caterpillar, I think, cat diesel. I yeah, I mean, I had some. Can you mad compete with that, Rich? Shit. Well, yeah, because I think I did have. I had at one point the classic. Kuntash and a Testarossa, separate posters, but both, I think, cars in profile, a lot of dry ice. Loads. Um, but then, obviously, I mean, that's just that's sort of standard. But that was then, iconic. I had, at one point, they ran a series of newspaper adverts for the BMW 7 Series in the, <laughs> in the 80s. You know? <laughs> I don't know why. I wasn't a particularly massive like BMW fan, but I just thought the ads were really cool because I think they ran them on consecutive days, and it was the car sort of getting like from memory. It was it was on a sort of you know on a desert on the uh, and um, this is like it was and and the car was getting closer and closer to the camera. I think this sort of so this ah. was the E32. This is like the mid eighties, yeah. You know, sort of new. So the when the the one that replaced the classic shark nose, mm-hmm. seven series, and um, and I had those sort of stuck on my wall as a sequence. So the car got closer and closer, and then there was a newspaper ad, mid to late eighties, when Rover was owned by British Aerospace. There was they ran these newspaper ads to announce sort of you know basically going, oh my god, we've made some money for the first time. 
<laughs> Does anyone can remember. Bloody hell, Rovers made some money. What the fuck? I think that might have been the headline. What the fuck? Yeah, but it was like, yeah, it was this big, it was a really dry advert. I don't think it even had cars on it. It just had a big announcement that like Rover Group was on the up. Things were going well. And I cut it out and stuck it to my wall. Did you? Yeah. It's a bit weird. See, we were, we were a weird pair of swines, weren't I know, we? I know. We were Where destined we to do great things with a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> like talking about 70s um, boys climbing pylons for a plastic disc. And yeah, then I was going to say before, electrocuted. I will put, I'll find that, that 70s <laughs> pylon safety advert and put it out, out on the links for patrons and also your Discovery Channel pylon climb. If I had more time, I'd fire up Final Cut and edit the two together so it looked like it was you in the safety advert, but I'm afraid I'm quite Oh, that busy, would be so. great. Johnny, no! Maybe some, I'll put them up and somebody else could do that if they're so inclined. I um, I, I was going to say, if there's, any, looming. if there's any listeners who, who remember any other weird governmental ads, this could be in other countries too, because obviously we only remember the British ones, but... Yeah, there's, yeah this, I bet. Some of them were awful. Like very scary and sinister and perhaps unnecessarily so um, or badly acted um, uh, I've just looked up the uh, Ford Transit uh, four wheel drive models from the past Transit. it's called the Ford Transit County <clears throat> oh. Remembers that. oh hang on um, well, the County Ford tractor was a logging tractor and I oh, bet really? that is oh yeah in fact Gosh, this is almost this is almost like relevant to current affairs in the automotive world. There was yeah. the most expensive tractor ever sold at auction um, a few weeks back was what? a county logging tractor. Um, let me find. Yeah, it made the, the most expensive tractor ever sold at auction. Yeah, so it's a second, as in not new, as in a, yeah. a, a second-hand, you know, classic tractor. Uh, here we go. What? It was on the did, it, Yeah, it was on the news. Here really? Yeah. What did yeah. it go for? Oh, I'll show you. Hang on, I'm just clicking on it. I'm just clicking on the lawn. Uh, the... While you're finding that, I'll just tell you there's a website devoted to the Transit County. Transitcounty4x4.co.uk. Um, the Please reason it's called properly. a county, actually, not to do with the logging tractor, uh, is because, although it says a handful of companies offered 4x4 conversions for transits since it was launched in 1965, the most popular of which was uh, provided by County Tractors of Knighton in Powys, who converted oh. vans on behalf of Ford Special Vehicle Operations as a factory option, That's starting with the Mark II. Does it look transit. great? It does look great. With the introduction of the Mark III Transit in 1986 came a new generation of County 4x4, which proved to be very popular and successful. The last to use the beam axle layout. Yeah. So, Do you um, know... Yeah? I um Yeah, that's there the smiley go. face transit, isn't it, the Mark yeah. III? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, according to the ITV News website, this was on the 6th of July, so it is current affairs. I will class that as current affairs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rare vintage tractor from family collection sells for record amount in Essex auction. The, the 1983 County 1474 short nose was bought by a UK collector. This rare tractor only had two owners from new with 100 hours on the clock, which is not a lot. Mm. It smashed its pre-sale estimate. Of, it was it was so it was estimated between sixty to seventy grand, and it sold for two hundred and ten thousand pounds one hundred and twelve. 
£210,112. I need to now say that properly. Um, uh, can, can, can you, can you, I'm, I'm so shocked because if you look at the picture of it, I, I remember the county tractors because they had the... £2.100,000, basically, <laughs> if you're going to express it in confusing ways. Exactly. So, yeah, £210,000 um, for, for, for an 80s sort of looks like a logging tractor and I remember counties were logging tractors because they had the same size wheels at the front as the back and they often had an external roll cage although this one doesn't have one but yeah 210 grand 210 wow. grand yeah so that's like the Bugatti Royale of tractors it's, I think it I think it is actually and GTO. I, I like tractors as you know but um, I don't have an enormous amount of knowledge on them but um if anyone's listening uh who will know why that tractor is so rare i i kind of want to know but it was sold by cheffin's auctioneers which to me just sounds like you're about to say a rude word and you have to <laughs> modify it because a child walks in the room that's, that's the kind of word that your grandparents would use to avoid swearing isn't it Oh, oh absolutely. my! Some rabbits have got into the Cheffin allotment again. <laughs> it was completely. Oh yeah, Grandpa smashes his thumb with a hammer while someone was talking to him. Cheffin! Oh, oh for the hurts. world of Cheffins! What's going on? <laughs> Fetch me a cup of tea. My thumb's the size of Tina Turner's downstairs. Oh gosh! Quick! <laughs> yeah, just a whole. This probably is. There's a whole sort of load of like pre-war not swear words that have been lost to time yeah chaffin bronkel what's that mean <laughs> oh it's very rude if i said the real words i well, mustn't you're say gonna it. have to help me out. <laughs> 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 here we go it was hosted by east anglian based auctioneer chaffins at shearing in essex you can just say all of those words together. <laughs> Sheffins are shearing in Essex. I've just Sheffin fallen shearing. down those steps with brogues on. Sheffin, <laughs> <laughs> idiot. He's, he's knocked the shearing lamp over. All right, Grandma, calm down. Maybe all auction houses are actually, like, I don't know, 1940s not swearing words. Maybe that's the thing. That's their secret code. Actually, also for full sort of strange grandparents, not my grandparents are long dead, but I, I've observed this in other people's grandparents, and it's wonderful when they also use words for things that's a sort of not comprehensible. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's oh yeah. A, 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 yes. Oh, okay. Mind you, mind you, you'll you'll knock over the frontispiece. And you go, what the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, the thing of me. Yeah, there's always the yeah. thing of me. Well, the thing of me, yes. Well, obviously, yes. Uh, words that are, are sort of placeholders because you can't remember the real word. That's the dongoloid. Don't watch out. You'll don't touch the dongoloid. It's hot. Yes, the do- <laughs> it's hot. I'm telling you, <laughs> Granny. Why is the dongoloid glistening? Don't touch it. Don't don't. Yeah, just go 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 to the other room and, and get get the Frimsby for me. Which the, the you know the 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 the, the Frimsby. And I don't With know. The, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Don't know what that is at all. With the dangling, um, yes. Fetch <laughs> the dangling from the shed. I, don't, I just don't know. What. <laughs> Not the old one. The no. electric one. There's an electric that's, one now. That's Your grandfather right. got yeah. it in nineteen fifty-six. Right. Your late grandfather got it. It's still in the box. Yes, yes, it's, it's a Brigsby Super Special. You can bring it in here. Uh, <laughs> well, with, uh, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know where that's come from. But um, what were we just talking about? Oh, I don't flipping know. 
No. Oh, we're either. talking non-swear words. Oh, non-swear war, words. War, wartime non-swear words. Oh, um, a, a chap at the live show um, the other weekend uh, gave me quite a good idea, and I'm sorry, I can't. I don't think I even took his name, but he said, um, he said, you know, there's that thing where uh, anyone mentions the Reliance Scimitar, and people just immediately go, "Oh, Princess Anne's got one," you know. Mm. Um, but he said you could you could sort of broaden that out into car word association and just things the first word or thing that pops into your head when you say a certain car. Oh, and I thought that is quite good. That's not a bad. That's not a bad. It's quite a... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. What um could we do that? Is that a, a isn't word association? It wasn't that what Timmy Mallet did. Wasn't Mallet's Mallet the, the children's was it word TV association? Game? That was a word association game without hesitation. DV, without DV, any DV, hesitation. I mean, yeah, without hesitation. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. But could you just say any old shit, or did it have to have some kind no, of link? It had to have relevance. To... So, yeah, you'd say tyre, I'd say, I don't know, um, wheel. air or wheel yeah. or tread you or rubber. Yeah, you couldn't just say clouds. No, I couldn't just say Cheffins. No, because someone would go, I'm sorry, it's just not, I don't see the connection there. Uh, no, it's, dang, it's Dangaloid. Uh, no, it's not Dangaloid. Well, what if, if Cheffins is just, is like the... Um, you know the blank bit on a certain dominoes, or the blank tile in Scrabble. You can use oh. it for anything. Oh, Cheffin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that like would be get good. Out of jail. Yeah. I do quite like that actually. That's... Celery, Cheffin. Oh, okay then. You're allowed oh, one, gosh, you've one won per a game. Cheffin. I don't yeah. play professional poker, uh, but if I did, I would love that <laughs> to be a Cheffin option. <laughs> I don't think you get wild cards in poker. I'd, and also, you know, I think we talked about this, not but not on the podcast, I can't remember, but, you know, these professional, where they film professional poker games, which, again, yeah. I don't entirely understand. I'm not sure that's very exciting. But um, it seems that the choice of sunglasses of some of the players, they, they just do it on purpose. They just pick very ill-fitting sunglasses, don't yeah. they? So they always look like they've bought them from a petrol station on the way there. <laughs> on the way there, that's exactly well, what Maybe they have. That's the thing. They've gone, right, and my special eye-concealing sunglasses. Oh, no, I've left them at home. Oh, shit, there's a petrol station over there. I'll go in. And it's yeah. one of those petrol stations as well. It's not BP or Shell or SO. Oh, it's a no-name It's one of those weird, station. like, no-name, yeah, where you, you kind of go, Squilliam? I don't, I, do they make petrol? Where, where's your petrol <laughs> come from? And it's like, you, I, was, I almost filled up at one of those the other day. Because I was running very low and I was sort of not near brand name petrol, and in the end I didn't because I always worry that their their fuel's got bits in it or something. No, I like no name fuel fuel stations. I, I, yeah, I tend to tend to like those. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, they often look like independent businesses, and I'm also for supporting those. But at the same time, I do just worry that that they're basically selling shit petrol. But if you if you base it on the fact that they're selling 
out of date sunglasses where everyone looks like they're from um, the 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 Matrix um, off of the nineties, but also they've probably got a basket right by the till which still has CDs in. Yes, and right at the bottom of that basket <laughs> is the odd stray cassette, <laughs> and you kind of do a double take. You go. Oh my gosh! It's a basket full of CDs. That's amazing. Yeah, quite that often made... a big uh, a big wall rack of batteries and other items. But all of the packaging is the old design. You just go, oh God! I haven't ever read it. Are they still going? God, I just hadn't really thought. It's yeah, they're very very mysterious places. Time time warp. Uh... Rural off brand petrol stations. I like that. I, do enjoy them though if they have a used car lot attached, which they often do. You've got to go straight for the trade-ins. Yeah. You've got yeah, to go yeah. straight to the back. You see, those sorts of car lots, you start at the back and you work your way to the front because the ones at the front are the ones they want you to see. And I'm not interested in those. I yeah. always go to the back of the ones that they haven't quite prepped yet or they're trying to hide from public eyes. And they go, oh yeah, oh yeah, that one's definitely broken. Put it at the back. When I was a kid, well, when I was sort of probably about 12 or something, we stopped at one of those kind of places in Devon on the way back from a family holiday. And for Devon Cheffin, he's, he's a good And I guy. spotted, yeah, just this, this Cheffin's petrol station. Um, but we, we, I got out of the car and I spotted round the back of the used car lot what looked like some interesting sort of but dirty moss covered stuff and I said there was a guy there and I went excuse me can I go and look in the scrapyard around the back and he went it's not a scrapyard and oh. they were the that was the trade-ins I think that was all the that would have been trade-ins grubby he was about it was to a BMW 2002 I remember that he was about to smother them in tire black and yeah. um and pledge yeah and then suddenly they all look really good once they've had a jump pack uh throw yeah. them and they're off choke <laughs> That was always a thing. I remember going past those sort of old car lots, and there was one, there was one in the village where I grew up. And in the morning, there were there were a lot of cars sitting on choke, <laughs> because you knew that they'd come in, lifted the tailgate, and they got. We've, we've got to make sure they all work in case someone turns up and goes, "Oh, what's the mini like?" And you just go, "Oh shit, we yeah. haven't run the mini for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's going to have no hope of actually working, bobbins." Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah. I'm still trying to get over that county tractor being over 210,000 quid. It's a lot for a tractor, isn't it? But I kind of want to drive it now. Cause I mean, well, a good good friend of mine who was at the... Um, in fact, that you've stayed in his caravan. Uh, oh, Lewis. Well, yeah, uh, I Lu- met Lewis. Lewis, of course. Yeah. He, he, he deals in tractors. He would actually... I should have asked him before we recorded this. He'll know why that tractor's worth what it's worth. Or Yeah, I was, that's what I was it. curious about, what is so special about it. But, They'll, yeah, well, maybe... Drop Lewis a note, and we can maybe we'll, we'll completely forget yeah. to come back to this. But it's always worth a go. Hell, I'm going to plug. I'm going to plug it because he bought a Porsche tractor barn find to our show. I'm going to plug him. Chichester Farm Machinery. Lewis at Chichester, Chichester Farm Machinery. Top guy, good friend of mine, and um, we've 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 been to some places and seen some things. Yeah. I was going um, to say some of the things we've been to. Yeah, see, I, I, I'm, I I'm actually, I just stopped you, there and I think, no. You told me a couple of things, and I don't think no, I should share them. No, I think it would um, harm his business, so no. Well, I was going to say, talking as we were about um, 1980s public information films warning you not to climb pylons, and it sort of <laughs> put, you're right, it put the fear of God into you, but then at the same time, I've, you know, I've never, 
had a pylon related disaster what i was going to say before is it's sort of i'm going to bracket this alongside those other things which as a kid i sort of believed might be the thing that killed me and in adult life i realized that they're not really a threat like rabies or quicksand oh quicksand i mean it doesn't doesn't exist in britain does it but when you're a kid didn't you honestly believe like that quicksand was one of the things that might eventually get you because it seemed like it was a sort of simmering distant threat through probably not public information films but just sort of playground chatter and maybe something you'd seen in a, in a textbook it would have been i think it was a fi- it would have been fil- sunday afternoon films that your parents watched there was always a woman oh, yeah. di- dying in quicksand yeah and there, yeah, and yeah. the last thing you'd see would be the arm with the the hand still moving as it disappears yeah. and i used to think i know it's not real because it's a film but yeah. how have they actually done that that's a good point, actually, because special yeah. effects-wise, that would be a right bastard to do. Yeah, she got a goldfish bowl over her head, and she just got a little I, chamber of air in there. I reckon if you looked at those shots, they're probably quite close up, and it was just a big box with wet sand in it, and there's a hole through the side of the box through, through which you can put your arm. That would be how uh, I think about doing it, and just do quite a tight shot of the hand. Don't do like a massive wide of the whole beach. With a uh, that would be hard, right? I mean, it'd be easy these days because you just, you know, do it against a green screen and drop it into a bigger plate shot. But um, th- yeah, that's how I think they might. Right. Do it. Otherwise, yeah, I don't think you could actually bury someone and then get them. To just we'll, we'll be really quick, okay? Promise, really quick. Or there's a straw. There's just a straw goes up so they can breathe. Oh, it could be the straw behind a bush. It could be a straw, which I still I, I know that foxes do that to deflee themselves, don't they? I still think that's an amazing. Fa- I love I love nature anyway, but yeah, foxes they snap off a bulrush. I think it's a bulrush which has a hollow stem, mm. and they breathe through it, and they basically walk backwards into a shallow part of a river or a lake. What? And they they stay underwater for I don't know five minutes, maybe ten minutes, br- using it as a snorkel because they know that's what gets rid of things like fleas. They deflee themselves that way. Give over foxes. Yeah, they do. All foxes. What if the fox doesn't have access to a body well, of don't. water? Well, I, I'm guessing also a, a, a thick fox probably hasn't hasn't <laughs> thought of it. But <laughs> other foxes. Now this is. I, I promise I'm not me. making this up. I promise. This puzzles me. Right. In I would say the spectrum of human intelligence is pretty broad. Yes. You get some people who are mind-bogglingly stellar brains that will you know solve problems and do molecular physics and all sorts of stuff and you know shining stars of what is humankind's potential and at the other end you get some right dimwits like those absolute fucking morons who turned up at tv center the other day to protest about vaccinations or something because they thought the bbc still lives there even though it hasn't for about six or eight years oh no really yeah and you kind of go that's the you know that's the full spectrum of human intelligence it's broad and and that sort of is is where we are as a species but animals it's like do you get stupid animals and you get really clever animals or are they all just sort of broadly about the same oh i I'd like to think you get you get thickies because um, uh, it was you that said in it not not that many podcasts ago that owls are actually quite thick even though we're, we're, they're, yeah. they're they're depicted in cartoons and stories as being a wise bird. 
they're actually not a wise bird, which I thought is no. really funny. No, um, they got the, the, that's what, yeah. So I think the, maybe the there's other brains. animals out there that we still haven't clocked are actually exceedingly clever that we just dismiss very early on. But then also, you know how, like, on the one hand, you get human beings who are incredibly coordinated and have fast reactions, you know, a lot of sports people or Spokes fast people. jet pilots, sports people. And at the other end, you get someone like me who struggles to catch a ball and is, is generally absolutely useless at sport. You know, it has no coordination <laughs> of any particular use. Yeah. And I just think you don't get that same range with animals. They're all generally, like, you just don't get kind of clumsy cats. Or do you? Or like, Yeah, you do. You know, yeah, yeah, I've had a clumsy cat. Really? Yeah, I've had a cat that couldn't jump up onto anything. It just kept mis- misjudging it, and it would slip straight <laughs> off or go over the other side. Yeah, but he was a Persian, so and I think Persians oh, are not quite as good because right. they're not well, reared it. up to survive in the same way. Because I was going to say, I think you know, sort of within dog breeds, it's I think it's sort of agreed that some dog breeds are more intelligent than others, perhaps. Yes. And they certainly have the different breeds have different characteristics. But I'm talking about within the same breed. So, you know, all of the things being equal, uh, are some dogs or cats more coordinated and more intelligent than others? Um, like even with the same family, you know, the same litter of puppies, could you get like a really smart one and a really stupid one? But maybe the really stupid one's really good at catching sticks and the really clever one just constantly running into trees by mistake. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. Oh, yeah, there's don't definitely. Know. There's definitely. It's a bit like, um, yeah, it's a bit like, you know, we're in the car world where people go, oh, yeah, you want to buy one of those because they're, they're absolutely, they're cockroaches, they're indestructible, they're built like brick shit houses, blah, blah, blah. Mm. There's always going to be one that's not very good. Yeah. I know people. I know people that have bought... Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I bought a brand new Honda in the nineties because everyone said that they were they would never go wrong. Mine went wrong three times in four in the first four months of buying it when it was brand new. I know people like yeah. that. Yeah, and you're like no, you're the always, only one. You you must be the only one in the world who bought a nineties Honda that went wrong. But um, well, that's what they they I've heard said that in terms of the mass manufacturing of cars, the word quality at a manufacturing level just means repeatability. Doing. The, the the same car over and over again to the same standard and that standard should be high but occasionally quality goes wrong for whatever reason and you get you know what used to be called a friday afternoon car come off the line oh hell yeah do you remember years ago we did a thing on top gear where we drowned a toyota hilux pickup and and dropped it it's one of the best things i think top gear's ever done i absolutely it was, love that. yeah it was, it was one of those ones fixed I think that was that was one of those films that sort of progressed the show to the thing that it became because yeah. that was quite early on and it was sort of it was one of those ones where it's like no one's done this before to this level and it feels like we're sort of you know we're we're standing out a bit and um but the guy who came along on that shoot who you see on camera after it gets pulled out of the Bristol Channel the mechanic who came along was a Toyota mechanic from Toyota themselves and he was their sort of top technician in the country and his job was if you had a duff Toyota or Lexus and you'd been back to the dealer and they couldn't crack a problem with it they parachuted him in because they're you know obviously they're quite precious about their reputation of making reliable cars so if there was a particularly knotty problem that was out of character for their general sort of 
reputation they just parachute him in and, and try and get it sorted out because there was nothing they reckoned he couldn't sort and you know he was the guy who with just a really basic bag of tools and some wd-40 got that bloody pickup running after it had been I, I mean, dunked in the sea it had had a full tide come in and go back mm. out again i mean bloody hell yeah yeah, How yeah, much no, TV? Was. Actually, uh, that was one of the things. I'm probably going to ask you this in a future Q and A live um, mm. audience. But yeah, how much ca- how much TV trickery was behind that? Hilux. Oh, well, nothing. You didn't secretly like put new heads on it and and no, God, the no pistons. No, there's nothing you didn't see on camera. Pretty much that he just he yeah, just drained all the fluids. Out yeah. One, we knew what we wanted to do with it broadly, and that's why we used the diesel one. We were advised yep. to use the diesel, not the petrol, because it will be easier to resuscitate. Yeah. Um, so that was the one sop to sort of trying to make sure it, it did come back to life. But otherwise, no, it was all a bit of a crapshoot. And particularly because I remember we got the call in the office, we've lost it. It's gone in the sea. It's broken its tethers. We, we've, it's gone. And we were like, oh, fuck. Well, that's it. We're going to have to sort of scrap the oh, really? or start again. Yeah. And then as the tide went down... It reappeared, and it had sort of dug into the sand. Because it was chained. It was chained down, wasn't it? It was chained, but it had broken one of the chains or both the chains. I think it must have just broken one of them, so then it sort of it, it got washed away to the length of the other chain. I forget. Um, but, Bloody hell. Yeah, I mean, it's, it it's, it's remarkable even when you describe it, and, and I know what happened, but it's still remarkable. Yeah, it was... And then what else do we do to it? I, I can't remember. You dropped it. it was... you, you demolished a block of flats, and it was in the to- on the top. Or yeah, that was the follow-up, I think, wasn't it? Because James did that one, and that Jeremy yeah. Jeremy obviously drove it around a lot, like down flights of stairs. And yeah, I was thinking about that when I was in Bristol the other week. And yeah, was it I'd in Bristol? It was in Bristol. It was, wasn't it? And we got into a load of bother because we he drove it into a tree which was by a church, and the vicar was very cross that we chipped the bark off the tree, which, you know, in fairness, that was a bit moronic. But um, but then we drove it down some steps, and it had a tow bar on it. A tow bar, as we went down the steps, the tow bar clanked every step and took a chip out of it. Um, and that went down badly as well, which, again, is sort of fair enough. We're sort of smashing up Bristol. Um, which uh, I hadn't been to Bristol for years, and I went the other week, and uh, I, I'd forgotten how goth Bristol is. Oh, Bristol's brilliantly, brilliantly. I haven't, goth. I haven't seen yeah. so many white guys with dreads for years. It's amazingly so. It's not <laughs> yeah. even goth. It's sort of Grebo-y kind of city. It's like it's got its own thing going on. It's not paying it's attention got, uh, to the, rest of the country. Well, I think it's got its. Uh, it's got a nineties quarter. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> you know. You know. You know. Cities have the jewelry quarter and the Latin quarter, yes. or whatever. I, I think Bristol is still the nineties quarter, and it's not signposted at all. And I say this with I say this with charm because you know I grew up in the West Country and I know. But as someone who didn't grow up in the West Country, my wife, when we first started going out and she started coming down to see my parents and spend some time there, she she she's said long before she goes. What is with the the southwest and the nineties? She said it's almost like you sort of took it and you held on to it, and and she and it's true. The more she said it, the more I realised, yeah, bloody hell, is it? You know, they yeah. say that that men particularly sort of find a hairstyle and a style of dress at some point in their lives and then just stick. It's like you can stick or twist, and you just you, go. You stick. can anchor, yeah. You can put your anchor yeah. down, can't you? And 
Uh, is it the same with Bristol that it got to a point, and I think the 90s is quite apt because I guess in the 90s the Bristol music scene kind of broke through to the mainstream, didn't it, with like Tricky and... Um, Port- Portishead, Portishead, Massive Attack. Massive Attack. It was yeah, powerful. It was, it was a powerful music force. And so Bristol sort of went, we've made it. Let's just yeah. stay exactly like this. And, and I think it put everything. its musical anchor down. Ronnie mm. Size came along in the late 90s. He was a late anchorer. Um, was Ronnie Size from Bristol? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I figure. I mean, it sounds like it's all sort of part of that. And of course, uh, thing you used to hang around in Bristol a lot, Goldie and um, and uh, Bjork. She was she hung around Bristol a bit, I believe. So although they Is weren't she? native Bristolians, yeah, it was a hive. Yeah. It was a musical yeah. hive. And yeah, I do yeah. think, yeah, I do think there's an there's an uh, unsignposted '90s quarter. And so, <laughs> excuse me. I'm, I'm looking to buy a global hypercolor T-shirt. You know, where I go, yeah, I just want to go around the corner there, mate. The, the, the 90s quarter. Yeah. Oh, I. And do you know what? If there isn't a 90s quarter, there bloody well should be. <laughs> well, and, and when you, you go around there, you go, and there's just E30 BMWs and <laughs> Nissan Sunnies everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you suddenly go, hang on a minute, is this? Uh, oh yeah, you, this is all pre-internet, mate. You can't use. There's no 4G when you walk around. This yeah, well, you suddenly your phone can't, can't look at the internet. It's just a phone. The, and the reception is terrible. Yeah, you have to quickly just grab a big issue, and that's it. You just got. You just read the big issue, and you look at flyers. Yeah. Suddenly, flyers. The, the, oh, the there's loads of flyers. Yeah, there's flyers everywhere. I'd absolutely love that. Yeah, there'd be, and there'd be a Sierra just being flung around, and there's obviously a lot more on-street smoking. Um, a lot more because vaping's banned from the '90s quarter because it doesn't well, exist. No, it's futuristic, it's, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you get you get your vape confiscated as you oh. walk into the '90s quarter, but they hand you a pack of Marlboro Lights and a lighter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But you sort of because because '90s fashion has has reared its head in various ways. The sort of Aztec weave hoodie has made a yeah. comeback. <laughs> or even a, some kind of poncho. And here, have this <laughs> bottle of alcoholic lemonade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So From the Aztec weave hoodie has made a renaissance. Um, so that's allowed in again. Um, yeah. The, the White Man's Dread, that's still a firm favourite. That's definitely... I mean, that's happening as we speak in Bristol. I, I, I couldn't help but notice. It just makes and my head itch looking at it, but anyway. Also, not specifically 90s, but an enduring favourite in uh, that sort of... If you're going for that look, is army surplus clothing. Of course. Of course there is. Um, you've got that's to have the, the multiple-pocket about... uh, cargo Yeah, multi-pocket. Yeah. So what about Possibly the... some kind of long coat. <clears throat> What about the embroidered holster for the clipper cigarette lighter that goes around your neck? Was that a Have thing? you seen those ones? That was no. a thing, that was a thing in the 90s. Well, you're going to need was... it. Now you've had to hand in your vape. Well, this in is the, the thing, because quarter. vapes are banned. It was a, it was a very popular rave accessory, because, of course, lighters, uh, lighters were, were, were a precious commodity in a field. Yeah. Um, yeah. You'd, you know, you lose a lighter. So it was a leather holster for a clipper refillable lighter uh, attached to a... A shoe, I guess, essentially a leather shoelace, which would go on your neck as a necklace. Um, and you could... I, I don't know why I'm saying this like a documentary maker, like I, like it's Well, it almost folklore. feels like you are. I do you remember are seeing it. Britain's foremost experts in uh, West, West Country, Country 90s. 90s fashions, yeah. <laughs> Professor Jonathan Smith. 
I'll be like Brian Cox, but just talking about <laughs> just talking about the cargo 90s pants. Were amazing Cavalier yeah. SRIs, yeah, brilliant <laughs> cargo pants. I just <laughs> I absolutely very love useful. That. Don't knock them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been well into Golas and Maestro turbos. Yeah, wicked. Well. Now, I feel like we've done an hour of chat and we've mentioned almost nothing to do with cars, which even by our standards is is pretty amazing achievement, but um, it's poor. too late now. Um, oh, maybe we'll try and make amends next week by, I don't know, just having a brief canter through the Renault range or something. Um, <laughs> but I, we should probably wrap this I think one. I'll talk about the BMW uh, iX3 next week. Oh, yes. We, maybe we should touch on that. Um, um, we, we had a look at it, didn't we, a few weeks ago at Goodwood? Yeah, um, yeah. And maybe we'll go down a, um, a rabbit hole of um, <clears throat> people playing fretless bass on Instagram, which I seem to, I seem to watch about, about an hour of it last week when I was... <laughs> and I don't even know why. I don't even know why. Anyway, before we go, I have three things to tell you. They are, one, Johnny has a solo YouTube channel called The Late Break Show. And, of course, there is The Late Break Show Live. The first one was a great success in Kent uh, last week. And there's another one coming up on the 11th of September in Leicestershire. Details at thelatebreakshow.com forward slash tour. Is that right? Tour, tour. Embarked on that without doing my research. But there we go. Got away well, with it. Well, you, you're good. Uh, two, uh, I've got various books out. Why not try Steel Flies, a spoof Cold War thriller supposedly written by the fake car journalist Roy Lanchester. Uh, completely overuses the word muscular, sometimes <laughs> rather out of context. <laughs> Uh, and third thing I have to tell you is that Blame It on the Boogie wasn't written by the Jackson 5 but confusingly it was written by a man called Mick Jackson who has no relation to the Jacksons um, uh, he wrote it hoping to sell it to Stevie Wonder and when Stevie Wonder passed on it he recorded it himself and when that went nowhere the Jacksons picked it up and made it a massive hit Is it a terrible al- alibi Blame It on the Boogie? Is it like well, it's, sorry, it's not what, quite what, as bad as Shaggy just going? It wasn't me. Oh yeah, despite CCTV evidence and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's clearly you, Mister Shaggy. No, it's not me. No, it wasn't me. Were you holding the bloodied knife? No, it wasn't me. No, it's not me. No. So Didn't that woman you record that a song that said it wasn't me in the nineties. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> It becomes it'd, it'd be amazing as a KGB agent, Shaggy would, wouldn't he? Be, yeah, brilliant. Just, no, it just definitely wasn't everything. me. Did Didn't you get happen. a Salisbury? No, it wasn't me. You, you, everyone saw you get on the train with your mate. No, it wasn't me. <laughs> definitely wasn't me. <laughs> um, get on the train with your mate. <laughs> anyway, you know your um, mate who's definitely not a high-ranking corporal. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, an, not me. A known no. KGB agent to all the world's intelligence agencies. Nope, wasn't me. Or no, him. we were just going to look at the chalk horse. That's all we were going to do. That sounds like. Are you sure that sounds like a euphemism? No. <laughs> <laughs> Chalk horse horse to. to, to, Well, it's like a coat, it's like a calling sign, isn't it? It would be the other one at the other end. It'd be chalk horse to. Salisbury Cathedral, I suppose. (laughs) Chalk horse to. No, it'd be like. I'd be blue tack. I'd be be blue tack warthog. Chalk horse to blue tack warthog. Chalk horse to blue tack warthog. Come in. The, The smear is on the handle. You need to stop talking now because it's the end of the show. It wasn't me. Were the words that I told her? <laughs> somebody else. We're picking up somebody else. 
talking bollocks. <laughs> uh, if only we could use that excuse. Well, anyway, that, that's it for this show. Um, remember, it wasn't us. Um, we'll see you again next week for more of this, where maybe it will be. But until then, thank you ever so much for listening. If you want to drop us a line, hello at smithandsniff.com. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sheffields. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.